You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today we're going to talk about gardening, but first, let's catch up on life lately. What is new with you, Sarah? I am going to be moving into a new position at work. Yay! I hinted that there were some possibilities in our last episode, and since we last recorded, I got a new job there. I'll still be working part-time, but it's a few more hours than I was doing shelving. A big part of the job is working on the outreach van, which is driving a sprinter van to various senior and assisted living facilities around town and bringing the library to folks there. And then I'll also be working at the desk and the drive up and the phones. I'm feeling really excited about learning new things and taking on a different role at the library. Congratulations. Thanks, friend. What is new with you? I have a product review. For my birthday, my sister sent a tushy, which is a bidet that you hook to your toilet. Mm -hmm. You know how when you have a diaper sprayer, you can unscrew the water input and put something in there that can be diverted. So that's what this is. 10 of 10 would recommend. I only like to use the bathroom on the toilet in our house that has it now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I won't say more. In the interest of not oversharing, but if you are intrigued, check it out. Well, I do have a question that may or may not lead to oversharing, so we'll just see how it goes. Let's do it. What is your process at the end? Like, Do you have rags that you use to dry off? Do you use toilet paper to dry off? We have cloth wipes that we used when we were cloth Mm -hmm. diapering our kids. Mm -hmm. I am just using those the same way, putting them in the same receptacle when we were doing cloth diapers and then Mm -hmm. like a pre-wash and then I just put them in with regular laundry. Got it. I love a good bidet. Me too. Converted (laughs) for life. Now let's talk about what we've been reading. What is your latest read, Sarah? I read What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat by Aubrey Gordon. I first learned about the author from you when you shared the Your Fat Friend Instagram in one of our past episodes. Mm -hmm. And then more recently, a friend in my book club recommended her podcast, Maintenance Phase. And through the show, I learned that she had a book. I have gone down the rabbit hole of Maintenance Phase and listened to all of the episodes and wanted more. Yes. And the audiobook was perfect for that. Love it. In the show notes, we'll link to the podcast in general, but also to the specific episode she does on anti-fat bias, which is released right around her book launch, and so includes a lot of talk and tidbits from there if folks are interested. In the book, she really goes beyond talking about body positivity and pushes for fat justice and explains what that would look like. She shares her experiences as a fat person, but instead of leaving it at the individual level, she connects it to broader cultural forces that perpetuate discrimination against fat people. In the book, she challenges readers to really think about what changes are needed to make the world a more fair and just place for people of all sizes. My only complaint is that she is not the audiobook narrator, Mm. and I really wish that she had been. I love her voice from the podcast, and it was disappointing to hear someone else speaking her words, even though they also did a great job, (laughs) but it was not the same. I would recommend this book for everyone. I got the hard copy for Neil so he can read it and we can talk about it. I think this is essential reading for all people who want the world to be a better place. I love it. I am also now fully caught up on maintenance phase. Second year recommendation for that. And on the list for this one. Really exciting that 
there is this kind of information out there for us to learn from and hopefully make change around. Agreed. What have you been reading? I just read The Midnight Bargain by C.L. Polk. This is YA fantasy slash historical romance. Hmm. So this is a set in a fictional world where there is magic. Some people have it in their bloodlines and some don't. And it's so-called bargaining season, which is where men try to find a bride from some number of young women. Some of the women have magic and some don't. So there are different levels of desirability based on what these young women could bring to the bloodlines of these men. There's also a catch in that women are not allowed to be practicing sorceresses or mages, just men. So the men have a special place that they go to learn the magic and to do the rituals. The women, even though they have it, Mm. aren't allowed to do it. And there's like very creepy stuff about not being able to be magical at all during your marriage. And so they have like a collar they lock on that takes their magic away. Okay. Creepy dystopian patriarchy. Mm -hmm. So the main character, this young woman Beatrice, has to do magic in secret. I loved the relationships in this book, particularly her relationship with her sister and a female friendship that she makes. The book moves fast. It's really compelling. And I stayed up way too late reading it on Friday night mm-hmm. because I haven't had a book in a while where I just wanted to keep going. And this was one like that. And it felt so good. It was a really fun ride. It does tie up quite neatly at the end because it is in the style of a romance novel. Mm-hmm. But it was just what I needed. And I would definitely recommend it. And I already downloaded another book by this author. Sounds lovely. Let's move on to our topic for today, gardening. First, Sarah, will you please share your gardening history with us? Growing up, we had a garden sometimes. I remember many summers with an abundance of cucumbers and tomatoes, and we would have cucumber salad nearly every night for dinner, which is delicious, (laughs) but it was a lot, a lot of cucumbers. In terms of my gardening experience as an adult, I became very interested in the local food movement at the end of college. Like many people, I was inspired by Barbara Kingsolver's book, Animal Vegetable Miracle, Mm -hmm. and that kind of sent me down a rabbit hole of reading other local food, memoirs, and wanting that to be a part of my life. After graduate school, I was disillusioned with my options in my chosen field of study, (laughs) (laughs) And decided that I would rather learn how to grow food. Neil and I spent that summer working on two different farms in Oregon. And that was really my first experience myself gardening and growing food. And that was so nice because there was someone there who already had all the things set up and that we were getting to learn from them. Yeah, you basically got to be an apprentice. Yes, exactly. And at one place, there were so many raspberries. That is one of my favorite memories. Mm. Just eating as many raspberries as your little heart can desire, which for me is a lot of raspberries. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Once we settled in Austin, I started volunteering with a couple different gardening slash farming organizations. And once again, that was so great to get to learn what to do and have someone show me and teach me and a place to ask questions. When we bought our house in Austin, we put in a front yard garden. I'm a little fuzzy on the timeline now because HP was born mere weeks after we moved into that house. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know that we had a garden that first year, but maybe we did. We definitely had one the next year. I don't know that I would have taken on such a big project with the front yard garden if I didn't have those friends and connections Mm. that had guided me on my gardening journey. Mm -hmm. But it was so nice to be able to ask questions that I have, trade ideas, and be inspired by what other people were doing with their yards and wanting to make that happen on our own property. What I remember most about that particular garden was getting some really great cantaloupes and an amazing okra crop. Mm. After we left that house in 2014, I didn't really garden again until this year. So that catches us up to mostly present day. What's your history with gardening? We definitely grew cucumbers growing up as well. I remember my mom trying to use them up and how sick of them we were, but I don't remember much else. Mm -hmm. And then when we lived in Nashville, I, like you, was very inspired by Animal Vegetable Miracle by Barbara Kingsolver, which, if listeners have not read it, this is a memoir where she and her family move out of the Southwest and back to family land in Virginia and eat, I think, almost exclusively locally for a year. Mm -hmm. I wanted to live that life, but we were in a townhouse and we had a little back patio And we tried container gardening out there, but that patio was in sun almost all the time. It was like getting (laughs) baked in the sun, and it was really hard to keep things alive. So it was not a great success. And then that brings us up to almost present day. So last year during shelter in place at the beginning of the pandemic, Andrew was home. Mm -hmm. And so he bought some really expensive rocks (laughs) that we had delivered to our house. And built a beautiful low stone wall around a space in the sunniest corner of our yard. So it's sort of like the back sunny corner. Mm -hmm. And we filled this little low bed with dirt and did our first real garden. And I say little, but it's really, it's pretty big. So last summer, our most successful crop was basil. Our plants were humongous and beautiful, and we ate tons of pesto. Mm -hmm. We also had success last year with beans and with purple whole peas. And then over the winter, we grew kale because the weather is so mild here. I started seeds in the fall and then planted them in the ground and they lived the whole time, which was amazing. And Andrew makes green smoothies most weeks, so we didn't have to buy kale for months, which was totally awesome. Yeah. Now that we are both at present day, what is your current garden status, Sarah? We have one. Yay! As I said, we had taken a hiatus from gardening, so we were living in rentals. It was when we became a four-person family, and with having two young kids, it just felt like a lot to take on. Mm -hmm. Then we moved into our current house, and I really struggled with where to even put in a garden. Our backyard is really shady as we have a giant oak tree, but in the front yard, it has to be protected because in Bloomington, there's a major deer problem and deer just wander around and happily eat any gardens that they can access. Mm -hmm. So not only putting in the garden, but then also having to create a barrier around it felt like more than I was ready to take on. Yeah. Then the pandemic happened and I wish that we had done it then. I feel like that would have been a really great activity to do as a family while we were home so much last spring and summer. Mm -hmm. Didn't happen. And I thought this year, 2021 will be the year. And then the spring kept going by and all the weeks and had not made any progress. And then finally just came to the point where I thought, we either have to do it this week or it's not going to happen. <laughs> and I made it happen. I looked up a few designs. We decided we were going to put in a large raised bed. 
a friend and I went out to Lowe's, bought all the lumber. This was really my project. I'm trying to improve my handy skills. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have expressed before that because Neil is so handy, I feel like I have not learned how to do a lot of things. And this felt like a good opportunity for me to be the person in charge. And Neil was a great help whenever I had questions, but I was the person who was doing the work. So cool. HP was a huge help. He sawed every board that we used. He's very proud of that fact. He did an excellent job. (laughs) (laughs) So in the end, we made a 12-foot by 4-foot garden bed. We were thinking about doing smaller to start, but then with the price of lumber, it just made sense to make it a little bit bigger and just go for it. Mm -hmm. So we did that. We put down weed barrier, ordered soil and mulch to be delivered, and then we have a not great fence. Mm. but a fence that does protect it. And because we got started so late, this was all happening right at the end of May, I ended up going to the farmer's market to get starts to put in this year. Nice. We were too late to have grown plants from seeds, but that worked out great. So we currently have cantaloupe, cherry tomatoes, runner beans, peppers, basil, parsley, watermelon, and some flowers. I would say the peppers, tomatoes, and cantaloupes are doing really well. The beans, herbs, and watermelon are looking mighty sad. (laughs) Do not think they're going to survive much longer. The flowers haven't bloomed yet, but they are getting close and look extremely healthy. Our first harvest of cherry tomatoes happened just a couple of weeks ago, which was very exciting for all. The other piece that I didn't mention is we actually did put in a tiny garden right when we moved here that included two strawberry plants. And those strawberry plants, because they just keep coming back every year, have really taken over that whole space. Mm -hmm. HP has claimed that as his strawberry garden, but he does share the bounty with us. And this year we had quite a large harvest of strawberries. I love it. What is your current gardening situation? So as I said, we're technically in year two of our Birmingham garden. Last year, in the fall and in the spring, I started everything from seed, although the first year I planted in little pots in the spring, and then I did soil blocks in the fall. But this year, in the spring, I just direct seeded everything, Mm -hmm. which is so much easier than making the soil blocks or than finding the little pots and to just put it straight in. So that's a real bonus of living somewhere that's pretty warm. Right. I can start pretty early and not have much fear of things getting frostbitten or whatever. And I love growing things from seeds. It's so amazing. It's like, here, you bought these little envelopes of stuff for not that much money. And now you have this amazing food jungle. It's, I really, really <laughs> like it. We are currently growing marigolds from seeds that we bought as seeds last year and grew, and then we save the seeds from the marigolds. Mm-hmm. feel very proud of that. And we planted some. Pepper emptied an entire envelope of them that then I tried to pick up that are now coming up. Uh-huh. And some self-seeded. So these marigolds were like bushes at the end of last year, and I pulled mm-hmm. them out and collected seeds, but, you know, some just fell. And so some came up on their own and are now bushes again, which is mm. also pretty fun. Love it. And then planted zinnias, okra, corn, blue lake beans, which are a green bean variety, Mm -hmm. zucchini, watermelon, sunflowers, basil, Tulsi basil, and calendula. 
We also planted peppers, both bell peppers and shishito peppers and parsley, but both of those are not doing great. I think maybe I should have started them earlier and let them get a little more hardy before they were out baking in the sun or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it got too hot or if it was too much rain or they hate our soil. I mean, this is the thing about me in gardening is that I really love it, but I know not that much. <laughs> so, yes. When something goes wrong, I can do a lot of Googling or I can just sort of throw out my hands and move on, which is... Uh-huh. Kind of what I do. I also, in March, ordered bare root strawberry plants, which I think is a little late. I mean, I think I probably should have ordered them earlier and had them on hand to put in the ground in like February or to plant them in March. I ordered them in March. They did not come until June. And when they got here, they looked kind of moldy and dead. Mm. But in the little pamphlet that came with them, it said, they'll look dead, but they're just dormant. Mm. Plant them and keep them really wet and see. Okay. So I'm trying that. And then last year, at some point in the fall, I planted four blueberry bushes Mm -hmm. that are little this year. They flowered this year, and I think I was supposed to pick off the flowers to let them focus in on establishing their roots. But I didn't know that until they had already fruited. Okay. So we got like three blueberries this year, and maybe next year I'll pick off the blossoms if I remember. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what's happening. Current garden status is good. Sounds good. Berry bushes are a dream of my children that we have, but I've heard that blueberries are so particular about their soil Mm. and things that it felt like too much for me to take on, at least at this point. Hmm. I mean, I'm not doing anything special, so hopefully mine make it. (laughs) Yeah. Keep me posted on the status of the blueberries. Yep. Okay, Sarah, what's your favorite part about gardening? I like most everything about it. (laughs) Once I was doing the work of building the garden, being in the soil, planting, it just reminded me of how much I like it and how nice it feels to be in my body and doing that physical labor and then getting to see actual fruits of your labor. Literal fruits. (laughs) Yes. I love watching everything grow, especially when you start things from seeds, seeing them come up. It's like magic. It is. It's nature's magic. (laughs) And of course, the harvesting. It is so fun to eat things right from your front yard. Ours is small enough now and early enough in its life that we are not getting enough to make a meal with. Mm -hmm. We are just enjoying snacks from it. But snacking's great. I love snacking. Me too. What is your favorite part? As discussed, I love growing things from seeds. Also love surprises. Mm. We had a surprise sunflower grow in the middle of the corn patch this year. Mm -hmm. And as I said, the marigolds coming up everywhere. And also watching the kids feel excited and surprised by that. Our first zucchini got huge before we noticed it. Mm -hmm. And so when we went out there and there was a zucchini, our minds were just blown. (laughs) And Plum was like, take a picture of me with the zucchini. Let's show dad this zucchini. Mm -hmm. Dad, can you believe there's a zucchini? Because she and I had been out there, you know, sort of early in the morning doing it. It's just really fun. And participating in that with the kids is another like really awesome aspect. Yeah. I also have really enjoyed sort of the creativity and research around deciding what to plant and how to plant it, sort of where to plant it and where to fit Mm -hmm. it in our space. So this year I was inspired by Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Kimmerer, which is a book that I talked about on the podcast. 
But Mm -hmm. she, in that book, talks about the three sisters method of planting, which is an indigenous tradition where you plant corn, squash, and beans in close proximity. So the plants kind of work together to grow bigger, to fight pests together. Mm. And I think it has contributed to the one zucchini and the two pounds of beans that we have gotten so far. So I feel very excited about that, too. Nice. What is your least favorite part, Sarah? Watering. I hate it. In Austin, we set up an automatic watering system, and that was great. I think we still have the parts for it in our shed, but have not set it up. And it feels a little bit much for just the one garden bed to go to those lengths. Mm -hmm. We've been lucky this year that there has been a lot of rain, and I haven't had to water much. But when I do have to water, I find it tedious, and I forget. Mm. And I think part of it is that I want to water in the evening, so that it's not so hot. Right. But then in the evening, that's the time I don't like doing things that aren't the things I really want to be doing. Uh So it interrupts my evening flow, but I'm making it happen when needed. And I hope the rain keeps coming. Yeah. We have had a lot of rain here this year too. It's been less than a handful of times that we have had to water. It's totally awesome. My least favorite part of gardening is squash borers which are moths that lay their eggs on summer squash, and then the larvae bore into the vines and eat them and often kill the plant. Mm -hmm. They were the cause of the deaths of our pumpkins and our squash last year. And then once the plants start getting unhealthy from the squash borers, then they got the powdery mildew. Mm. And so we didn't get a single zucchini last year. And I really love zucchini. I mean, people joke about zucchini and like zucchini being wild and coming out your ears when you plant one zucchini plant. But that has not been my experience. And I feel very sad about it. Yeah. And the squash borers are gross. Agreed. What are some of your favorite foods to grow, Sarah? A surprise hit with stevia. This is something that we planted a few years ago when the strawberries had not taken over the whole little fenced area and we could plant other things in there besides Mm. just strawberries. Mm -hmm. And a friend of ours had recommended stevia that it's fun for the kids to just come by and pick off a leaf and the leaves are really sweet and Mm -hmm. tasty. Yeah. HP loved eating the stevia in her garden to the point where it had to be limited so that the plant was not destroyed by all of the harvesting of the leaves. I love it. And that is not one we have this year, but I do hope to come back to it again. The kids really love green beans. Ours aren't doing well. They seem very sad. But our neighbors across the street have a really productive garden, and they have so many green beans, two big beds full of bush beans that are at the height of their production right now and they left to go on vacation so our family is in charge of harvesting while they're gone so we have been eating green beans for every meal for the last week and probably will be doing so for the next couple weeks as well another favorite are cherry tomatoes because they're so fun to snack on that's my theme i love things that you can just pick Mm -hmm. and then put them in your mouth yep totally (laughs) though really it's just me and hp that like the cherry tomatoes which is fine we don't have such an abundance that we are wanting to share with more family members (laughs) i really love having herbs available hopefully in the future ours will do better than they're doing this year Mm. i'm not quite sure the parsley in particular was not happy and maybe it is what you mentioned that i should have planted that sooner Mm -hmm. and that it's too late i don't know I don't think we'll be harvesting very much 
But when they are in abundance, it's so nice to just come out and get exactly what you need for a recipe instead of buying a whole bunch from the store and then feeling this pressure to use all of it before it goes bad. Yes. So that's a favorite thing that I am hoping will be part of our future. What are your favorite things to grow? Definitely basil. It is so yummy to me to have pesto all the time. Last summer when I was making that, I'm sure I talked about it on the pod, but I just felt so proud. Mm -hmm. I made this pseudo gourmet thing from my backyard. I'm so awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And then I love growing okra. It does really well here and is so delicious, roasted or fried. And that's one where it was like, "Mm, we're a little late on dinner food. I know what Mm -hmm. to do. Let's go pick a little pint of okra, chop it up and roast it real quick in the toaster oven. I mean, just so easy and perfect. Yep. I'm also very excited about the possibility of having more than a couple of berries, and potentially a watermelon at some point in the future. We do have a small watermelon out there right now. It's maybe the size of a small orange currently. Mm -hmm. So fingers crossed it keeps going. (laughs) Agreed. And that no one gets it. Yes. One of my strongest memories for my Austin garden was watching this sugar baby watermelon grow and being so excited seeing it and then coming out one day and a little raccoon or something had gotten in there and eaten most of it, and I just felt very sad. Ooh. All right. On the other hand, what are your least favorite things to grow or things that you don't grow because you're not that into them? Greens. I like kale sometimes, and we do eat that sometimes. I do not love lettuce, so I will not be growing lettuce. (laughs) I also ran into this with chard in Austin. It did really well in our garden, but I did not love eating it in the quantities that my garden produced. And then Mm. it felt wasteful that I wasn't using it, but then I didn't want to eat that many greens. Mm -hmm. I started too late this year for greens, so it was a non-issue, but I did not feel sad about that fact because (laughs) just can be too much in the spring when your garden has all of the greens. I feel the same way about tomatoes. Mm. We are just not big tomato people. Yeah. Tomatoes are something that I feel like every home gardener is like, are you growing tomatoes? Are you growing tomatoes? I'm like, no, we're just not really that into them. So we don't. Fair. All right, Sarah, do you have a gardening philosophy? I love this question. I feel like I need some more time to really sit with it. So maybe (laughs) if we revisit the status of our gardens in the spring, I'll have a more coherent answer. But I would say off the top of my head, maybe grow delicious food would be one. (laughs) Nice. And then lately for this year, it has been do what you can. Something is better than nothing. And that's been working for me because we actually have a garden this year. Perfect. Mine is also loosely defined, but I would say it's something along the lines of grow what you want, how you want. I never thought I would like growing flowers as much as I do. I feel like when Mm -hmm. I you know, was sort of drawn into this like local food movement, urban farming vibe that it was about feeding your family and sustainability and self-sufficiency. But wow, I really love having the flowers. I love cutting them and giving them to people. I love seeing them out my kitchen window. I love the color that it brings to the garden. It's just really delightful to be leaning into what I want in my garden. As you should. We are going to end by talking about gardening aspirations. We only have the one bed right now, plus the strawberry patch, but I am hoping to add two more. The current garden bed is right at the top of the driveway in front of our front porch, and I'd like to add two more down the driveway. So we would have three beds kind of right as you come up. 
In the future, I'd really like to grow more things from seeds, maybe doing some direct seeding, but I think we're far enough north that you really do have to be able to bring them inside as right. the weather changes. Mm-hmm. Though I will say it was really nice just to go to the market and support folks there and buy them, put them in. Yeah. So I think we'll probably do a mix of both as we move forward. On a not food related note, I'd really like to expand the non-grass area in our front yard. This felt like a good movement forward towards that goal when we took out a bunch of vines that are an invasive species right in front of the front porch and then made space for the garden to go near there. We have another area where we've done a lot of native planting right at the front, although I was looking at it this week and I thought, hmm, there are a lot of weeds mixed in with all of our (laughs) native plants now. Probably need to do some work on that. And this is one for me where I go back and forth between we should just pay someone to come and put in the landscaping we want and then we can focus on maintaining it. Mm. But then I think, no, I can do this. I like doing work out in the yard. I just need to find time for it. But then we don't make a lot of progress. So we're at an impasse in that. But long term, I would love to have many more flowering bushes and plants and native things happening and less grass that we are mowing. Yeah. Mine is along those lines. We have a really big oak tree in our front yard. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of the yard is shaded for much of the day, which makes it hard for grass to grow. So there is some grass out there, but it's not in great shape. So I would love to put in a shade garden to replace that half of our front yard, maybe some Mm -hmm. ferns, other shade loving plants. I'd also love to expand the areas of the yard that have edible plants, especially perennials. I love what you said about HP just munching on stevia. I would love to have more spaces like that where my kids can grab some berries or grab some herbs and just explore how they smell, explore how they taste, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then I'm thinking about how I can do more in the winter with simple row covers. Our kale did really pretty well, but it was slow to start, I think, because it was so cold when we finally put those starts in the ground. So I would love to sort of explore whether there is a simple way that we can just get them covered so they get really established Mm -hmm. and can grow a little bigger in the late fall. And then by the time winter comes, we could already potentially be harvesting. Sounds like it could be great. Yeah. And then finally, with the strawberries, I have them planted on the outside of our fence on the sloping part of our lot that we have that goes down toward the alley. And ideally, it's grass right now, but ideally, I would love that whole slope to be strawberries. So I planted Mm -hmm. them right by the fence, and I am hoping to, like, direct the runners down the slope and just to take over the grass. Yes. May pull the grass out or just mow it really low and then do the strawberries if they come. If not, we'll get some other strawberry plants at some point, I'm sure, and try and make that happen. But I feel hopeful for the plants that are in there already. I love that idea. Well, that's the end of our garden talk for today. Listeners, we would love to hear about your gardens. We would love to see pictures of your garden. So if you have a garden, and when we say garden, we mean anything you're growing. It does not have to be on any kind of scale or anything. We want to see every plant that you love, that you want to share with us. Take a picture, tag us in an Instagram story. We can't wait to see. I would also like to give a shout out to my Austin gardening friends for being such an inspiration to me. And even now when I'm doing it, I feel this connection to all the work we did together. I know they're listeners to the show as well. And I'm just super glad to have that connection. Love it. 
Let's end by talking about what we've been eating. I have been eating avocado toast with sunflower seeds. In the past, when I've made avocado toast, I usually put feta cheese or goat cheese on it. Mm-hmm. But I just stumbled upon sunflower seeds because we didn't have any cheese that sounded good to me to put on there. But I want a different kind of textural salt experience for this avocado toast. Had some sunflower seeds in a little packet, like a snack packet, in the pantry, pulled them out, and it was great. And apparently this is a gourmet thing. I googled it and lots of people are doing this, but I am enjoying myself despite being late to this party. (laughs) Better late than never. What have you been eating, Sarah? I've been eating a lot of salads. I know that I just said that I don't love lettuce and I (laughs) don't like having too many greens, but it has really been hitting the spot lately. I got turned on to them because our co-op has some pre-made salads and one of them has spinach, red onions, blueberries, goat cheese, pecans, and then a really delicious creamy dressing. Mm. And I was so enjoying eating that. And then I tried another one that was more of a Greek style inspiration, but it used regular lettuce, which is not my favorite. Mm. And so I was at the co-op shopping yesterday, saw the salads. They didn't have my favorite one with the blueberries. The Greek one, the lettuce didn't look good. So I thought, aha, I will buy my own feta cheese. I already had the pepperoncini. I already had Kalamata olives. I bought cherry tomatoes because our garden is not producing enough (laughs) to meet my tomato eating needs. And had a feta dressing from Trader Joe's. Mm. And I've had that the last two days, and it is so tasty. I feel like I am really elevating my eating experience because it's not something I usually do to make a more involved salad. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to ride the salad train until I get sick of it. Sounds gourmet. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. You can find out more about everything we talked about today, including what we're reading and eating, in the show notes on our website, friendlierpodcast.com. You can also leave us a comment there or on Instagram at friendlierpodcast or email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. There's a large bug crawling on my wall. All right. It disappeared where I can't see it, so I can't deal with that right now. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Well, I was going to ask you more questions. Uh, <laughs> start over. Cut some of that. <laughs> Not we didn't have any cheese, because let's be honest. <laughs> That's not who I am.